Proverbs and the 20th chapter, Proverbs chapter number 20 this morning and uh, one verse, we're still in Matthew 5, we're just not there this morning. Uh, Proverbs 20 has nothing to do with Matthew 5, we're just taking a hiatus from it I guess we'd say. Wednesday night, Lord willing, we'll pick back up there. Blessed are the merciful. Proverbs chapter 20 this morning. I want you to read with me one verse. One verse we'll read together. Uh, I, I was uh, in Alabama last week preaching, and uh, Brother Jordan Brenham, and the, or the principal over at Holy Ground, called me and asked me if I'd come preach uh, chapel and uh, at their school. And so uh, I'd studying all week, preparing my heart for the meeting I was in, and so uh, I, I didn't know what, what am I going to preach, you know, this, of course I have messages, I've got notebooks and, and, and outlines everywhere in my Bible, but uh, just because you've got one don't mean God's on it, and uh, so anyways, I, uh, I got up about six o'clock that morning, went down there and got me some gravy and biscuits, and that's inspiration for anybody. Gravy and biscuits. Um, I'm supposed to be eating healthy, and I feel guilty every time I do it, and I feel like I have to confess to my wife that I had checkers yesterday. Uh, I, I went, <laughs> I, I was in Augusta, and I called her, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to checkers. I felt like I had to confess it before I did it, or it was wrong. And uh, anyways, gravy and biscuits brought some inspiration about 6 o'clock and a cup of coffee Wednesday morning. And uh, I, I, um, the Lord gave me this thought, uh, and, and I want to preach it to you this morning. Simple thought, really. Um, one verse, uh, not a whole lot of depth, but if God will touch it this morning, I believe he'll help us. Let's stand for a minute. Verse 14, Proverbs chapter 20, and verse number 14 this morning. Uh, it is not... He says it again, it is naught, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. I'll read that to you again this morning. It is, it is naught, it is nothing, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. Let's pray this morning. Lord, would you help us? For a little while, as we preach your word, God, speak to me, speak through me, speak to us this morning. God, give me liberty and wisdom and unction of the Holy Ghost. God, touch uh, the people that are here. Lord, we thank you for a good crowd. Thank you for a good service. Thank you for the presence of the Lord. Lord, you know what needs to be done now. Help us, I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, you've heard the, the statement, uh, buyer beware. Uh, many of you, most of you probably, buyer beware. What that means uh, is it is your responsibility uh, as the purchaser, as the buyer, to investigate what you're buying uh, because you can't trust always the seller. Uh, he might be a good man, he might be a liar, it's on you to figure out, um, is what I'm getting worth buying? 
And is the price I'm paying for it worth paying for it? It's your responsibility. Uh, This text is the opposite of that. Uh, I want to preach to you this morning on seller beware. Uh, Seller beware. Uh, There are two individuals, one of them's mentioned, the other one is just implied uh, in verse number 14 of chapter uh, 20 of Proverbs. Uh, There is the man who is buying something uh, and there is the man who owns it and is willing to sell it. Uh, There is the buyer and there is the possessor of what it is that's being purchased. Uh, In our text, uh, the one man comes along and he says uh, of of the goods, and I don't know what it is that this man owns, but he comes to him and he says, it is nothing. What you have is nothing. And then he says it again to him, what you have is nothing. Uh, That word naught, it means nothing, but it means more than that, it means bad. It is more than than what you have is of no value. It is what you have is bad. What you have is not good. It is nothing. It is nothing. And then uh, he purchases it for nearly nothing. Obviously, he is trying to talk the man's opinion of what he has down. He purchases it for nearly nothing. And then when he walks away, the Bible said that he boasteth. Uh, He brags about the good deal he got, that he got something that is valuable and he got it for nearly nothing. Something that is valuable and he walked away uh, holding it and it didn't hardly cost him a thing. I would say to you first of all by way of introduction this morning that this man who is buying this valuable uh, uh, belonging is deceptive. He is deceptive. Uh, He does not want to talk up what you've got because if you think what you have is valuable, you're not going to let it go for nearly nothing. And so he is a liar. He is talking down what you possess so that you don't think it's valuable and you'll let it go for nearly nothing. Is anybody starting to follow along? Seller, beware. He's a liar. He's deceptive. He will lie to you and tell you that what you possess is of little or no value. I want to say to the young people this morning, he'll lie to you. He'll say your school is of little value. He'll say that your father or your mother and their wisdom is of little value in your life. He'll say that your purity is of little value and everybody gives it away. He'll say of your life, it is nothing, it is nothing uh, uh, and uh, it is not worth anything. Uh, Sell it or give it away. But it's because he knows the value and he's deceptive uh, so that you'll get rid of what you got for nearly nothing. Y'all see that? I want to say to the fathers and the mothers, maybe you're in your middle age group, maybe you're late 20s or 30s. I know late 20s isn't middle age, but you're getting there. Uh, you're headed there. You're in your 30s or your 40s, and, and you've worked and you've done and you've, and you've built and you look around and uh, you see what you have uh, uh, and the devil is always telling you uh, it is 
naught. It is naught. It is nothing. What you've built is nothing. What you're doing is nothing. It is nothing uh, uh, that you have invested in that church. It is nothing that you're in the choir. It is nothing uh, that you go there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. What value is it in your life is what we're told. But I want you to know again uh, that the buyer is deceptive. He wants what you have because he recognizes the value, but if you recognize the value, you'll never give it up. If you know the value, you'll never let it go. If you know how valuable your marriage is, you're not going to sell it out for a moment of pleasure. If you know how valuable your children are, you're not going to walk away from what's right and leave them holding the bag. If you know how valuable your church is, you're not going to allow the devil to lie about it and cause you uh, to sell out everything you've got. So he's a liar. He's deceptive. He wants you to look at what you've got and say, it's nothing. You're right. I don't have anything. What do I have? What has it got me? But the reason that he does that is he is a deceiver. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you've been around a few years. Maybe, maybe you're over the hill as the uh, statement would be. Now I'm not putting you over the hill. You'll determine which side of the hill you're on. Uh, but maybe this morning you're over that hill by your own testimony, by your own statement, uh, by your own belief. And the devil will say, what was it worth to you? I remember I was at a funeral and a great preacher, a godly man, a good man, a man who I had admired and respected, and he's going to be with the Lord now, but I still do have fond memories and respect for him. He got up to preach, and he couldn't hardly preach, and he said to the people, he said, I, I can't do this. My health won't let me do it anymore. And he called another man up, and the other man preached the funeral, and he cried. He said, I, I, I don't have my health anymore. At the end of the service, I went up to him and I said, I want you to know that you'll never know what you've meant to me. You'll never know the investment that you've made. Tears began rolling down his eyes and he hugged me and he said, you know how many times the devil tells me that my life was worth nothing, that what I did was worth nothing. He said, I'm old and I'm dying. And he said, I think sometimes that the whole life I lived was of no value at all. Do you know why the devil wants you to believe that this morning? Because he wants what you've got. He wants your mind. He wants your wife. He wants your husband. He wants your children. He wants your marriage. He wants what you have. And in order for him to get it, he has to deceive you into believing it's of no value. It is not. It is naught, saith the buyer. It is nothing, saith the buyer. He's a deceiver. Not only is he a deceiver, he's a degrader. He'll spend all of his time making fun of what you've got. He'll spend, has anybody ever witnessed, has anybody ever felt the pressure 
of Satan and the enemy's degradation as he degrades who you are and what you do. And he'll do it by by sending people your way and they'll mock who you are, they'll mock what you do, they'll mock how you dress, they'll mock how you go to church, they'll mock how you shout, they'll mock how you worship, they'll mock how many times you go to church, they'll make fun of everything that you do because he is a degrader that wants what you have but he can't get it if you think it's something. So not only is he a deceiver, but he's a degrader. Let me warn the church this morning. Don't be on the degradation side. If somebody's got higher standards than you, uh, you say, preacher, I don't feel like I should be doing that. Then that's all right. That's between you and the Lord. But don't ever make fun of somebody uh, for doing something that they believe God wants them to do. Don't ever mock somebody because they do something uh, that they said, God asked me to do that. If he ain't asked you to do it, then don't do it. But if he has asked somebody else then encourage what they do don't be a degrader of people's standards don't be a degrader of people's life you got people in your family they make fun of your school kids I don't know why you're wasting your time over there what they want you to believe is that you're missing out on something and what I want you to know is yes you are missing out on something there's a whole lot that hell is throwing and you're missing out on it every day why why do you believe that the Bible is so important? Why do you have to be one of them Bible thumpers? My question is why do you have to make fun of what I am every day and then claim to be what I am? If you're a Christian and you spend your time making fun of other Christians, are you a Christian? Why does what I do that I've never tried to make anybody else. I mean, I'll preach truth from the word of God, but I don't try to make you walk like I walk and talk like I talk. You can be you. You can be who God wants you to be. But why does it bother people so bad? I think this morning because people are tools of the great degrader. They are they are instruments in the hand of the devil trying to degrade what some young man has made their mind up they're going to do for God. What some young lady has decided I want to live for God with all my heart and they've laid everything they have on an altar and said here it is God here's my life here I am and somebody come by and mock it and claim to be a Christian. Don't ever mock what anybody's doing for the Lord. Don't make fun of it. Well, I don't know why you got to do that. You don't have to know why. It ain't none of your business. But they know why. They're doing it. Well, God ain't ever asked me to do that. He might not. He might know what you would tell him no anyhow. Don't mock what they're doing. I didn't mean to get on to that this morning, but while we're here, there might be a reason why God ain't ever said nothing. You might not have heard nothing God said in the last 20 years. Don't be making fun of somebody. But he is a degrader. He wants to make fun. He wants to mock. He wants to belittle what you are. Why? Because what you have is so valuable. 
What you have is so good. What you have is one of a kind. Can I say to you tonight or this morning, I've been preaching at night, I get my days and nights. You are one of a kind. There's never been one like you. You're one of a kind. And the devil knows you're one of a kind and he wants what you've got. If he can ruin your life, wreck your marriage and leave you in shambles, he'll do it. And if he's got to lie to you and degrade you to get what you have, he'll do it. He'll do it. He's a degrader. He's a deceiver. I'd say to you by way of introduction still, and the introduction may be longer than the message, he's determined. He says that it is not, but he says it again. He says what you've got is nothing, but then he looks at that man and he repeats himself. Why does he say it again? Because obviously the first time didn't work. Obviously, the first time he said, What you've got's nothing. And the man, I'm just reading into the story, probably said, Well, my friend, you're wrong. What I have is worth something. And so he says it again. And he'll say it as many times as it takes to degrade and devalue and deceive you into believing that it's nothing. There may be a time as a young person uh, and your purity means something to you. But the devil will send people through music, through movies, through social media, through peer pressure and they'll say, what's wrong? Everybody's doing it. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Everybody's doing it. That's nothing. That's an old wives tale. That's an old saying. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it. God wants you to enjoy life and over and over and over by the determination of the buyer he will degrade what you have because he's never going to quit trying to get what you've got as long as you live when you're young you think if I can make it to my 20's and get married all this will be over you get in your 20's and you get married and you say well it didn't go away I'm still dealing with it if I can get to my 30's maybe I'll be a little mature and you get to your 30's and you think well I'm more messed up now than I ever was if I can get to my 40's or my 50's and you can live to be 80 and your nature will still be living in you wanting to sin and the devil will still be lying to you trying to get what you got. Brother Dan and Miss Pat sitting back there in the back, I think they're going to make it. How many of y'all think they're going to finish right? I believe that they're going to. I believe they're going to make it. But I'm going to tell you something, the devil ain't quit. He ain't going to. Why? Because if he can get an old man sideways with God before he leaves this world, he can get a bunch of young people scratching their heads saying, well, he stood for it his whole life, changed his mind on his deathbed. He ain't going to quit. The devil, that is. He is determined. What does that mean? That means until I leave this world, I'm going to be in a fight. Until I leave this world, I'm going to be in a battle. Until I leave this world, I've got to recognize the value of what I've got. How do I know the value? You've got a Bible that will let you know what you're worth and what you've got is worth. He's deceptive. He's degrading. He's determined. Unfortunately, about half of our youth group this morning, you can figure out which half your child is in. I'll have to as well. Unfortunately, about half of our youth group this morning has already believed the lie 
of the devil. And they think that what they're doing is insignificant. They think that their Christian walk and their Christian life is of no value. And they've learned that from somewhere because the deceiver is trying to buy them out. He's trying to purchase what they have for nothing. And he's going to get it for nothing if they don't recognize. And it's my job as a father, as a parent, to instill in them that there is value to who you are and what you do for God. And if I have done well in that department, it's still up to them to fight. If I have done pitiful in that department, God help me, but it's still up to them to fight. Deceptive, degrading, determined. Now that was the introduction. Here's the message. Seller, beware. If you're not aware of the tactics of the buyer, then he will devaluate what you have to the point that you'll give it away for nothing. Here's my question. If it has no value, number one, then why is he interested? Why is he interested? If there's no value to your Christianity, if it's worthless, if it is pointless, if your Bible is of no value, if your school is of no value, if your home is of no value, if the wisdom of your father is of no value, if the wisdom of your mother is of no value, if the wisdom of your teachers and your preachers are of no value, then why is the devil constantly interested in making you believe that it is of no value? If it's of no value, it's of no value. Why, why would he bother you about it? Unless it is of value and he's trying to deceive you into believing that it's not so that he can purchase at a low price your life. Does that make sense? Well, you've been married 10 years. Where's that got you? He'll say, sorry. You've been, you've been uh, going to church all your life. And to what have you amassed in wealth and prosperity? You, you've, you've, you've served God all this time. What have you received because of it? Devaluating, degrading, deceiving. But the question is, is if there's nothing there. If he's right, it's of no value, then why is he interested in getting you of no value? Are y'all hearing me this morning? These young people come up in a world where they don't even see value to their life, many of them. Of course, I, I, I'll be honest with you. In the situation that so many of them live in American society, don't know their father or their mother and people that they do know are strung out on everything in the world and people have abandoned them and then they've gone to school systems that's taught them that there's no purpose to life, that they have evolved from some lesser being uh, uh, to a greater being that they are now and that, and that there's really no purpose and there's no heaven and there's no hell and when you die you just go get buried in a peaceful field somewhere and it's all over. Well, maybe somebody living in a life of turmoil 
Uh, just to rest sounds better than to have to live in the hell on earth that they're living in. But the problem is, is they have believed a lie that there's no value to your life. They have believed a lie that there's no value of where you come from uh, and there's no value of where, can I put an insert right here in the middle of the message? Uh, you didn't come from a, a lesser being. Uh, you were created in the image of God and he put a premium value on your life and it was the blood of his own son on the cross of Calvary that he shed to save you because he thought so much of you that he saw you as valuable. And he put you in a church where you can hear God's word. He put you in a family where you can know the goodness of God. He put you in a Christian school where you could be surrounded by godliness and righteousness and peace and all of these things he has done because there is value to you. God sent you to this church not because this was the greatest church on the planet. Not because we're the greatest people in the world. God sent you here because he wanted you to have a church. God sent me here because he wanted me to have a church. God sent us here because there is value. And in this place there is value. In your homes there is value. In the youth group there is value. You say, preacher, it's difficult dealing with all of this. I understand, but there's value in all of it. Not, it is not, saith the buyer. And why is he interested? You get up on Sunday morning and you know, I need to go to church. And the devil or your flesh one will say, ain't nothing going to happen. Ain't nothing going on. You don't hang around very often if you think there ain't nothing going Either that or you're going to have to lie to yourself. Because there's something going to happen. It is not. It's not. It is nothing. Are you hearing me this morning? Why is he so interested? Secondly, I would ask, why is he so insistent? Why the interest? Why the insistence? Why does he keep on if it's nothing? If what I was doing was nothing, then why does he keep on hindering what I'm doing? Uh, what was it? Nehemiah and them boys were building that wall in Nehemiah. And, and who was their names? I can't remember their names, but they come. Sanballat and Tobias, they came in Nehemiah. Nehemiah's building the wall. And they said, hey, we need y'all to come down here and have a conference with us. We need y'all to come down here and talk to us. And Nehemiah said, we're busy. We're building a wall. We don't have time to get off of this wall to come down here and talk to y'all about anything because y'all don't value what we're doing. Y'all are not interested in what we're doing and y'all are trying to hinder what we're doing and we're not wasting our time in what we could be doing to fight with people who's just trying to devalue what we're doing. Y'all want to talk? Talk right there. I'm building a wall, Nehemiah said. Why were they insistent on getting Nehemiah off that wall because they wanted the progress to cease. They wanted Nehemiah to stop. They wanted to fight with him, uh, but he had enough wisdom that he wasn't going to quit doing what he was doing that was right to argue with people that wanted to be wrong. It's 
Some of us spend most of our time arguing with people that want to be wrong and quit doing the thing that's right that we need to be doing. Are you hearing me this morning? If there's no value, then why the interest? If there's no value, in why the insistence? Uh, James said, uh, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. I puzzled for years over that verse. <laughs> I mean, do you ever read your Bible and think, what in the world? I know it's all right. I know it's all true. I believe it all, but I, don't, I, don't, I still don't understand all of it. Count it all joy when you fall. That automatically don't sound right. And it gets worse. Into divers' temptations. Count it all joy when I fall into different kinds of temptations. The temptations are coming and I'm counting all joy. The next verse explains it. For the trying of your faith worketh patience. And God gave me a message several years ago. Why can I rejoice when temptation comes my way? Because it is an indicator that I have something to be tempted. If I had nothing to be tempted, if there was no salvation, no good thing in my life to be tempted of, then there'd be no reason for temptation. And the reason why there's temptation is I have something that belongs to me that is worth being tempted. What is it? It is my faith. It is my saving faith in the Lord Jesus that the enemy is trying to tempt. And when the devil is insistent on running down what you're doing, he is insistent on making fun of who you are. He is insistent on devaluating your little church and your little youth group and your little school and everything that you're a part of. You ought to rejoice this morning that God has put a value on what you have to the point that Satan's mad about it. That's right mad about it it is not he says of your marriage it is not he says of your children it is not he says of your fruit he, it is not he says of your service it is nothing that you're doing down there at the nursing home he says but I'll tell you who it's something to that little old lady who wheels in there every Sunday and that's the highlight of her week it is nothing he says of what you're doing in that Sunday school class I'll tell you who it's something to that little young man who's going to get saved and grow up and serve God because because of what you did. It is not. Oh, it's something. That's why he's insistent. It is not. There's no value, then why the interest? If there's no value, why the insistence? If there's no value this morning, then why the investment? It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way then, he boasted. The implication is, is that he purchased this. This thing that was nothing. He's bragging when he gets to his buddies, look what I got for nothing. This thing is valuable, and I lied to its owner and said it had no value, and I got it. And he paid something. Don't know how much he paid, probably not much. 
But it's, you can't say it's naught, it's naught, and then you're willing to pay something for it. He's purchased it. I remember I was in Bible college years ago, and Brother Ken Bowman had come to preach the um, chapel service. And he said to all of us preachers, it was probably 07, 08, he said to all of us preachers, he said, if you draw a line in the sand and say, this is my price, I'll serve God unless this happens. He said, the devil will make sure to meet your demand. You draw a line in the sand and say, well, I'd go this far, but I won't go any further. If this happens, I, I'm not, he'll make sure you get to that line. Satan offered to Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, took him up on the mountain in three temptations and three times he offered him different things. He said, all this I will give unto thee. He's willing to pay some high prices for our lives, but most of the time he gets it for pennies on the dollar. There's not a price valuable enough purchase your life Jesus paid the only price that could on the cross and the devil's got nothing on what Jesus has got and whatever he offers you it is less than whatever he offers you it is beneath you whatever he offers you it, there's so much more God could do with you you are selling out your life for nothing some of you sit in here this morning and you've made your mind up I do not want this and you know what God will let you do what you want God will let you sell your life out but when you get down the road and you find out that all that I got was little in compare to what God had my boys, Levi, uh, got an old Bible my daddy gave him, and and uh, he was reading. I wish I'd have wrote it down. Uh, you have it with you? He was he came in there, and I don't know if my daddy wrote this poem or if he heard it and he just wrote it in his Bible. But it was a Bible of my daddy's when he was a kid. And Levi came in there the other night in our room, and he read it to us. And here I don't remember the poem, but here's what it sounded like. Uh, here's what it said, uh, here, was, here was its message. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and I find out what God would have done with me if I'd have let him, what a day of regret. When I stand at the judgment, and if you're saved, you are headed to the judgment seat of Christ. If you're lost, you're headed to the great white throne judgment and hell will be the eternal destination of your soul. But if you're sitting here and you're saved and you know you're saved, you've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, but the buyer has come along and he has talked down what you own to the point of selling out. That poem read something of this matter. I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and realize all that God had intended for me wanted to do with my life that I forfeited what a regretful day when this man finds out down the road that what he had was worth so much more than what he let it go for what a day of regret 
If you're here this morning, there'll come a day when you'll realize, I let it all go for nothing. And I got paid nothing but a sinner's wages. Every now and then you'll hear a story of a young man needed some money. He got married and he had a, had a wife and kids and, and he needed to trade in that charger for that minivan. He'll sell that charger, go buy a minivan. And he'll buy that minivan, he'll cruise it around for a little while and he'll get in his 40s and he'll say, boy, I wish I had that first car. I sold that thing for nearly nothing. Every now and then he'll find it. He'll get an opportunity to buy it back, and he always has to pay more for it than what he sold it for, or what he paid for it in the beginning. But most people never get the opportunity to get it back. Why the investment of no value? Why is the devil telling you, I'd give you this, and I'd do this, if what you have is no value, then why is he trying to give it to you? Does that make sense? Let me, let, me, let me put you in three categories and be done this morning. Sitting in here this morning, there are people who have recognized that what they have has value. You can't buy what they have for no amount of money. If you're sitting in here this morning and you realize your life has value, your ministry has value, your mind has value, your children have value, your spouse has value, your marriage has value, then there's no price tag on it. You're fighting for it and you'll fight anybody and anything that will try to hinder what you have. Are you hearing me this morning? I want to encourage you, keep on fighting. Keep on fighting for your marriage. Y'all help me now. Keep on fighting for your children. It's worth it. I, 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 listen to me. I, 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 pay, I would pay whatever I had to pay to make sure my kids were either in a Christian school or homeschooled at this point in American society. I understand there was a day when it wasn't that bad. I understand there was a day when it wasn't that hard. But that's not the day that we're living in today. And if I had to bend over backwards and jump through 17 hoops and spend every dime that I had to make sure mine got a Christian education, I'd do whatever I had. You say, would you really? I'm doing what I have to right now. I'd fight every man that I had to fight for that woman. I don't care how big, I don't care how bad he was. If he killed me, he, I'd die fighting for what God has given me. My boys, I'm fighting, and, and I'm not fighting with them, but I'm fighting for them. I'm fighting every influencer. I don't even like the word influencer. I, I there's nothing wrong with the word influence, but everybody's trying to be an influencer. Why don't you just follow what the Word of God says and let your influences be spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-called men and women of God. I'm fighting it because there's too much value. And people who recognize that what they have, that's why we make stands at Crossroads Baptist Church. It's not because we want to run people off. It's not because we want people mad. But it's because we got something too good to let perversion destroy. 
people recognize what they have is valuable and they'll fight for it. They'll fight for it. Do you recognize the value in what you have this morning? Are you hearing me? Here's the second group, people that's rationalizing. They're not recognizing, they're rationalizing. They're having conversations with the devil about the value of what they have, and is it really worth that? That's where many of you are this morning. You had sold everything out, you're just debating it. Is what I've got really that valuable, and is what it would cost me really? And you're trying to bargain with the devil. Oh, y'all done gone silent on me now. Y'all sitting on this front row could be in this category of bargaining with the devil. Bargaining. I know what I've got is good, but the offer is good. I know what we've got is good, but is it worth the investment that we're having to pay? We are a... um, What's the word I'm looking for? We are a dependent society. And if it costs us anything, breaks on, never mind. Not going to do that. We are a government cheese and milk society. Listen, I know people need assistance. I'm not talking about people who need assistance. I'm talking about able-bodied people who sit on the couch and wait on a check to show up because they're not willing to pay the price. I remember several years ago, uh, I I worked for UPS for a Christmas because I needed some extra Christmas money. And I remember we delivered every day a check to a man who had the ability to walk, but he was on welfare. And I don't know the whole story, but I remember every day taking that, and I had to take it all the way to his door, nearly bring it in his house to him because he couldn't move even to come in. And it wasn't that he was unable, it was that he was unwilling to meet me at the door to get the handout every day. Or every week, rather. We are a... We are a... Are y'all hearing me this morning? We are a needy, dependent, lazy society that's not willing to pay the price. Put your big boy britches on, uh, tighten up, stand up straight, and say if it costs my hands to bleed, I'll work till they bleed to provide for my family. I'll give God all I got. We'll do right by the will of God if it kills me. Teach it to your children. And if you need assistance along the way, get the assistance that you need. Uh, But don't sell out. Uh, Don't sell out. Don't sell out for what hell's got because it's hard to have what God's got. If you've got a young family and you're struggling, uh, then fight on, brother. If you've got a young family, then fight on, sister. Fight on. If you've got, don't give up. Y'all hear hear me now. I'm preaching. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lay down. Don't throw in the towel. There's too much laying on what you do.
leave the bargaining table and go to the front lines. Leave the market where you got what you got for sale hoping to see who's going to come by. And I'm going to say this right here. Some of you men are down at the market You got what you got for sale for the pr first pretty thing that comes along. I hope none of you men, but the odds are there's some folks. Some of you ladies, you've been living down at the market for a little while, waiting on the first handsome fellow that'll listen to you to come along. And you're going to sell everything you got? Because the devil's talked you into believing that there's no value. And you're going to have to wait 20 years down the road to find out what you left. Some of you young people down at the market, you haven't completely let go of this yet. Because there's still some value to it and you're just waiting on the highest bid. But the first good offer that comes along. Seller beware. Seller beware. You might not ever get it back and what you're going to get for it does not even come close to its real value. Here's the third category. There's those that recognize. There's those that rationalize. There's those that regret. Well, what about the category of those that are living it up right now? That's so short-lived that it don't even deserve a category. Because I don't care what you say to me. How you doing in your sin? Oh man, I'm having fun. I got liberty now. I know and you know you're lying. Because there ain't no one who's ever tasted of the goodness of the Lord and walked away from it that's truly satisfied with what they're living in right now. <laughs> and I don't care if you live 10 years backslid from God, nighttime come around every single day. And boy, ain't that rough. I mean, you can have fun during the day. Friday night, boy, you're just going to have fun. But Saturday morning was coming around. Monday morning was coming around. Or them lonely evenings were coming around when there wasn't nobody there. And you had to live with yourself. You had to live with your decision. You had to live with your regret. You had to wonder, is there even any purpose anymore at all in living? The only good thing I had, I sold it out for nothing. Anybody ever, she comes to the piano this morning, anybody in here ever lived in any of that regret? Makes me not want to take anything I got to market. I want to hold on to it. Not for sale. And I don't want to sound like that. What's his name? That Michael Combs. <laughs> not for sale. Seller beware. Not buyer beware. 
Seller beware. The buyer's a liar. That's what you got. He almost had me. Well, sure, I'm glad I didn't sell out to him. Some of y'all don't believe me. Some of y'all kids don't believe me. But I'm having more fun than you've ever known. I've done what you're doing. I've bobbed my little head to my goofy little music. I've done what you're doing. You think you're cool because when nobody's around, you say some dirty words and you sneak out and cuss and stuff like that. Yeah, we're cool, man. We cuss. Take a little puff or something. Listen to your music. Do your thing. Think nobody knows. Oh, people know what you're doing. I've done what you're doing. I've done worse. But some of y'all ain't ever done what I'm doing. I mean, that's the preacher's wife. And the only thing y'all ever known about us is the preacher and the preacher's wife. And I'm glad of that. But I've done what you've done. We knew the songs of our day. We knew, we, we, knew the, we knew the popular things of our day. Of course, our day has come and gone. I've done what you've done. But you ain't done what I've done. And I'm here to tell you, if I had to go back and do it again, I'd choose Jesus all the way. I'd choose God first thing. I'd choose the will of God over anything because when you have to wake up in the morning with regret from sin and when you have to live your life with regret from sin, you'll live your life saying, why did I take something so valuable and give it to dogs? Why did I take something so valuable Throw it away. And the devil will lie to you and tell you that you got something of no value in what you're doing for God, but he'll lie to you and tell you that if you wasn't living for God, I know I've been preaching a long time, I can tell on somebody, but he'd lie to you and tell you if you wasn't living for God, you'd have all of this. Why don't you just come off of that cloud you've been living on and realize that he's a liar and you wouldn't have had all of that. You wouldn't have made the big leagues. You ain't even that good. You wouldn't have had that good job. You ain't even that good. God's been better to you. I'm done. God's been better to you than anything he's offered. Lord, would you help us this morning? You have, thank you, in Christ's name. She's going to play. Would you mind the Lord this morning? Seller, beware.